everyone. Thanks for listening to the Midweek Podcast. In this show, we strive to open a dialogue of how life recovery and God's Word go hand in hand. Every week, our speaker will be going through the biblical process of life transformation. And now, another episode of the Midweek Podcast. What I like about the video at the very beginning of the service is that it catches you up on week one, two, three. Um, So if you had the opportunity to watch it and listen to it and read it, hopefully it kind of reminded you of the things that we've hit in verses uh, one through five of 2 Corinthians chapter five. Um, I'm honestly just going to jump straight into uh, chapter verse six. I'll read it to you. Tonight we're going to go through verse 6 all the way through verse 10. And uh, these, these uh, 7 through 10 pretty much are butchered in my Bible with pen um, because uh, when I, the reason why I'm preaching in this chapter is because when I got away um, back in May, uh, he spoke very clearly to me through this chapter over and over and over. And I read it over and over and over. And what I'm teaching on tonight, I've been really excited to walk through with you. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, reads this. Therefore, being always of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage... I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done whether good or bad. Therefore, uh, in verse 6, therefore being always of good courage. Uh, I, sometimes I listen. I, I found out that uh, sometimes old school Southern Baptist preachers have sayings that they all say. I went to seminary. They didn't teach me these sayings. Um, but I hear them all throughout different teachers. I know Steve used to say, if you see, therefore, you got to see what it's there for, right? And then I hear other preachers say it, and I realize it's a Southern Baptist thing, I'm pretty sure. So um, I guess nowadays liberty doesn't teach that. But uh, therefore, as a byproduct of verse 5, what we ended with last week uh, was the deposit that God gave us of the Holy Spirit as a down payment for the promise of what is to come, because of that, we can walk in courage, filled by the Holy Spirit, a taste of what eternity in the presence of God will be like with the Holy Spirit in us today as we suffer in this tent, in this temporal world, even though we're sojourners and we belong to the kingdom of God, therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. It doesn't matter where we're at, we are 
in good, with good courage because of the fact that God gave us the Holy Spirit. And because of all this, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. In my mind, the most beautiful illustration of this, and I always go, when, when we talk about blindness, when we talk about faith, I always go uh, to the book of John chapter 9. I always go to it. And it's when Jesus heals the blind man. Pastor spoke on it um, a little while ago, and it was, uh, it is a, a beautiful story testifying to not only God's power, his, his, how sovereign he is over the temporal, how incredible he is, uh, but also how walking out obedience has a byproduct. So if you don't know, in John chapter 9, there was a man that was born blind. And in uh, Mark Batterson's book, Grave Robber, he goes through the signs of, uh, of the book of John, and he breaks them down and walks through things. And um, I love how he, how he described this because I didn't realize the impact that uh, seeing images, seeing mom, and as we teach our story, words, we say, dad, dad. Mama, and then we go and we point at a ball, and she goes, Dada. I'm like, no, 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 Dada. So when she sees something, and we connect the sound with the picture that she sees with her eye, then therefore she knows that's dad. And someone that's born blind, they have never put a picture to what they hear. They've never been able to describe blue. They, 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 they just don't understand what things are. And the only way that you can develop that is by the pictures that you take while developing. And so this, this man is, is born blind. He's never seen anything done. Pastor talked about when you put the eye patch over a developing eyeball, it will be permanently blind. It requires light to develop these images that are reversed and flipped and then kept in our mind. This man is born blind, which means he has no income, he's poor, he can't do anything, everyone has to do everything for him. They didn't have uh, handicapped parking, like they didn't have all the things that make it easy, they're rejects. So he's a social reject because of what he had been through in the physical, and, uh, and so he's blind, he sees nothing, he understands, uh, he hears, he tries, he begs, and Jesus Christ... Um, he spits in mud and rubs it on his face. The saliva of our Savior can do the impossible. Create connections where there were no connections. And suddenly, what defies everything is possible. He sees, he understands. And it's beautiful. But there's something that had to happen between Jesus scooping mud, slapping him in the face, which can you even think what he was, what was going on in his mind when he was like, heal me, and he just like rubs mud in his eyes? Um, between that moment and his healing, 
Jesus had given him a command. He sent him away. Still blind. Walking, not by sight. And he sends him to a place to wash himself. But that place was incredibly difficult to get to. It was a pathway that you often take. And it was also during the, um, the, the feast of uh, the uh, festival of feasts, right, Pastor? Um, it was during that time, so there were tons of pilgrims in the city, and he sends them down these stairs to the, to the pool. And this tunnel is known, and they, 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 you, if you Google it, Hezekiah's uh, tunnel, there's like stairs, and it's like small cave um, where, where you had to walk down, and people are walking up, and, and Christ, this is not a place that blind people would travel. And Christ spits in his mud, rubs on his face, and says, go. And so the blind man had to walk out of obedience, by faith, through a dangerous, dark, difficult pathway to receive the hope and the promise of his healing when he washed his eyes. And that's when he could see. He's the epitome of walking by faith and not by sight. And his walk wasn't a stroll in the park. How many times do you think he doubted along the way? How many times do you think he tripped or stumbled? How many times do you think he bumped into someone who told him off? Christ sent him. There's two things that Mark says in his book that just I find so interesting and so applicable to me personally is, is that when Christ sent him, so out of obedience he obeyed, he followed, he walked, he did. He did what was very difficult. People can look at this and they can say two things. The byproduct of obedience is always what God says. If we just do what he says, it's going to end up how he says it will. The word of God, when applied to our lives, works. It just does. Then the second thing is the fact that Christ sent him on a difficult pilgrimage probably showed the blind man how capable he actually was compared to what everyone else had been saying his entire life. With Christ... It is possible. With Christ, you can do it. If Christ sends you, amen. If Christ sends you, you are equipped. And we are ambassadors for him. We have been marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. We have been given a deposit, a down payment, and a promise. Some of us are blind. Some of us just washed our eyes. But it's so important that we recognize the impact of walking by faith and not by sight. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, that is my prayer. 
sometimes I pray that he puts things in front of me that I would struggle to accomplish if I, if I leaned on my own ability or understanding. I do. I ask him these things. And sometimes he delivers, and then I take it back. But I want to challenge you to take an inventory on how you're walking. Are you the type of person that dips your toe in the pool, puts the whole foot in, slides in the other one, halfway up the shin, eases in just to make sure that you're going to be okay? You assess the situation. You got to know every detail before you get committed. And whether or not God sent you really doesn't have any part of your equation or thought process. It's whether or not you will end up okay, whether or not you will be hurt, whether or not you will feel vulnerable, whether or not you will succeed to whatever standard you measure it by in your own mind, whether or not you will profit, whether or not it's worth your time, whatever it is. Are you walking by sight? Are you being stretched and challenged merely to believe at another level? And if you sit down and you take that inventory and you cannot answer, yes, this is where God is calling me to get out of the boat. Yes, this is the struggle that I'm in and all I know is to obey. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel yet. I don't see where I'm going yet, but he sent me, so I'm going. That's it then write that stuff down. And if your answer is no, Bennett, honestly, I've been playing it safe all year. I've been playing it safe all 2020. There's one big old four-letter word that's tied me up, and it's fear. I've not been living by faith. been living by fear. And if I can't see where I'm landing, I'm not jumping. That's a problem. That's a flag. But it's okay. Because we can grow. Right? Verse 8. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. This is, this is, a, this is one of the thought processes that struggle, like we all struggle with to an extent. Um, there's this idea behind, I, I wish I wasn't here, or uh, verses 1 through 5 with the whole struggle is real thing, with the temple and our tent, much rather be with him, um, a sweet girl uh, at, the, at the conference this weekend, uh, or no, no, it was a girl. It was a guy? It was a girl. A young student said, why doesn't he just do it already? Why doesn't he just come again? End this. Speed the clock up. Let's go. Literally was asked that. And I think, I think we all have that yearning desire to be with him. Our ambition needs to be to glorify him. 
whether that is in his presence or whether that is while still here. I go through so many seasons where my emphasis is not just pleasing God. And that's convicting for me. Sometimes, spoiler alert, don't judge me, and it's not Lauren's fault, I don't parent through the lens of how can this please God. Sometimes, I don't have conversation in a way Students, look at me, listen, where I'm thinking about doing it in a way that pleases God. I don't study or, or, or sport or whatever sport you're involved in or, or instrument that you play. There are seasons in our lives where honestly we're doing it to do it or we love to do it or it feels good or we get credit for it, whatever it is, but we aren't executing it first thinking how it glorifies God. Our ambitions are often self-centered. And we all can relate with that. From what we post, to how loose our lips are online, the things that we say, the ways that we make fun or jab or do whatever, the ambitions really to hurt someone, to make fun of someone, to correct someone, not to glorify God. And it's toxic. It's been for me. I get in a rut, and it bleeds into every area. But this passage, therefore, because of these things, we also, even though we long to be with him, We'd much rather be with him. We also have as our ambition, whether it is at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. Oh, that is my prayer. Verse 10. For, man, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We've got to be careful with that one, okay? But judgment is inevitable. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So what, that, what that's saying is we all will. Not just we all, we all. Whether someone professes and knows God through their life or not, every single human being will come to know him at some point. We all will. We will know him intimately in that moment more than ever before. And that's where the judgment process will take place. And the deeds of our life will be available in that moment, good and bad. What's important to also acknowledge 
is the price that Christ paid. And the payment of that sin, we'll just take Bennett, for example, that I've done, will be forgiven because of the acceptance of the grace and the acceptance and the declaration with my mouth and how I believed in my heart that God rose him from the dead, I am saved, I am adopted, and I will spend eternity in his presence. For some, they will reap the punishment due of sin because they have not professed that Jesus Christ is Lord. They do not believe, they did not believe that he was God, came, died, and rose again. And in that moment of judgment, he will say those words, I do not know you. Depart from me. And that's convicting, guys. That doesn't make me feel like I want to like do better just so I don't get, but it, what it does is it reminds me of the reality for every person that I ever lock eyes with. The inevitable conversation and dialogue before the judgment throne for you and for me. In Romans, it says clearly, for if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God rose him from the dead, you will be saved. What I think is so important about that is there's an action that is outward and there's a decision that was inward. And I love that the verse talks about in your heart. You believe in your heart, the very center of who you are, the way we measure life itself by the beat, the, the heart that if you believe something in your heart, it changes everything. It changes how you live. It changes you. And when you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. He is Lord of your life. You get out of the throne and you allow him to sit on it. You say, I'm done doing it my way. You are Lord. And you believe in your heart that the deepest core of who you are, that God rose him from the dead, that he overcame death itself, that the payment was done and he rose and overcame. Those two things, you will be saved, period. There's no comma. There's no dot, 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 dot. That's the period. That's it. So if you've made that decision, you should not fear standing in judgment. Because you know the outcome. You're saved. But if you haven't made that decision, then you need to. You just need to because verse 10 is inevitable. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for the deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. It's a difficult reality. 
is true. So my question to you is, have you taken inventory? Have you taken time to measure your faith? And I would like to do that. Band, come on up and uh, just start playing, if you wouldn't mind. Because um, I want to give opportunity for you to respond. Respond one of two ways. Actually, respond any way you want. But let me frame it in two different, in two general ways, okay? The first one is accepting Christ. Understanding that that decision needs to be made. And you put it off for far too long. You know, there's people in here that haven't done that, that people are literally praying for. Did you know that? That there's people in this room right now that have not accepted Jesus Christ, that have not professed their faith in him. There's actually people in here that God has put your name on my heart. Isn't that crazy? And he's put your name on the heart of others as well. And you've been putting up a fight for far too long. Whether you've justified it by ignoring clear signs, you've, you've, you've justified running from God because honestly, life's pretty good. Or you haven't hit rock bottom. Or you don't feel like you're drowning, so why do you need a savior? I'll tell you why. Because there will come a day when you stand before the judgment throne of Christ and each of us, without our spouses, without our moms, without our grandmas standing behind saying, he's a good kid. Every single one of us will be held accountable for how we stewarded our bodies, how we stewarded our temporal time. And you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know everything. You don't even have to be perfect. That's the whole point of this. Because you're not, and you never will be. All you have to say is, God, I've been trying to do it my way. I've messed up. I've been parenting this way. I have not been taking you into consideration as, as I'm, I'm, my ambition has not been glorifying you. My ambition has been glorifying me. And I'm ready to get out of the throne. And I'm ready for you to take a seat. Change me from the inside out. I'm angry. I'm addicted. I'm this. I'm that. I'm this. I'm that. Whatever it is, change me, God. I'm yours. I believe that you sent your son. I believe that he rose from the dead. And I believe you have power over this and all the ways that I mess it up. That's step one. Step two is tell someone. Say, hey, yeah, I fumbled through it, but I, I've made a decision and 
I don't know what to do next. Tell someone. Continue to read the Word of God. Develop your private prayer life. Surround yourself with people that speak truth over you and into you. Not people that, that pull you away from the will of the Lord. Get plugged into small groups. Like that's, why, that, that's the whole point of it. Right? We're not just social clubs. Really, it's not just to have friends. It's to have friends that encourage you in your walk with the Lord. So as you surround yourself with this, as you make that decision, as you jump off, just know that he'll catch you. And he is good. And he'll never let you fail or fall. Some of us, honestly, just need to repent for not having the ambitions of, of pleasing him. Some dads, some husbands, some mothers, some wives, like all of us, guys, in those moments, we either try to, try to please ourselves or protect ourselves. Let him do some work in us. Repent. Change the way that you see it. Choose to turn around, do a 180, and pursue him. And then he'll take care of it as you give it to him. Your marriage, your children, your family, your job, your stability your finances, your stuff. Let our ambition as a church be one that pleases him. God, that is our prayer. God, that is what we need. Some need salvation. Some need repentance. But all of us need you. Every single one of us are messed up in some way. None of us can do it on our own. But God, I pray for that person to have boldness to accept you as their Lord and Savior. I pray for that couple to have boldness to seek help in their marriage. I pray for that parent to seek counsel with others in the struggles of what it's like raising children. God, I pray for that parent who needs to talk about their prodigal son. That in this place we find community because we are all the same in comparison to you. We're a little broken. And you know what? That's okay. And that's only okay because of who you are. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to imagine right now that moment that he describes where we're absent from our bodies and we are in the presence 
of God. I want you to just picture an, an empty room with one single light bulb and a chair right in front of you. And Jesus Christ sits in that chair. He's sitting right across from you. Don't say it out loud, but I want you to hear him say, the first th- what's the first thing he says to you? What's the first thing you say to him? Is he asking you to give him something? Is he introducing himself to you? What's he saying? And I have one simple challenge for you. Take this, pray about it, Seek counsel in those that that you know that are believers in Jesus Christ. Seek the scriptures. And if it doesn't doesn't contradict scripture, if it doesn't uh, contradict the nature of God, if it doesn't, you know, all all these things, make sure you do that. Um, Obey. Just give it to him. Just give him yourself. Give him that sin. Give him that relationship. Give him that drug. Give him that drink. Just give it to him. To end tonight, we're just going to stand and we're going to worship him the way he deserves it. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for tonight. God, this inventory check. Oh, that that as we do it, we can know with confidence that if you are saved, there is no fear in the moment of judgment. God, that you would equip us with the ambition to glorify you in everything that we do. And Lord, that we would walk by faith, that we would run by faith, that we would jump and dance and live by faith, not dependent on sight. That where you say go, we go. That when you say do, we do it. When you send us, we walk in boldness. When you call us, We come and worship. Father, may you give that person boldness to accept you. And may they not leave here not doing so. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Midweek Podcast here at Temple Church. If something spoke to your heart today, we'd love to hear from you and walk alongside you. You can reach us at temple at temple.church or you can send us a text message at 
1-800-285-2093. If you enjoyed this week's episode, we'd love it if you rate and review the show and share it with your friends. That helps us to get the word out. Again, you can join us weekly for more episodes on how God can transform us and use us for His kingdom. We'll see you next time. Thank you.